gentlemen, welcome back to another very special episode of Hollywood Week, the podcast. My name is Keenan Culler, and I am joined, as always, by the heart of Chicago, the almost doctor, in the Mr. Peanut Butter to my Captain <laughs> Peanut Butter. It's Case and Culler. Case and how you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Keenan. Uh, excited to be back in the podcasting business. Um, well, I mean, I guess <laughs> I kind of lied. I'm really not doing very good because I'm supposed to take this crazy exam next week that keeps getting moved around because of the coronavirus. But you know, it could be worse. So I'm okay. That's the first. That's the first thing I was going to ask you, Case. And I know you've been you've been staying at our parents' house for I'm sure what it feels like the last seven months. right you uh yeah something like that under heavy lockdown but you've been studying for this test why don't you tell the audience what's going on with this test it keeps getting pushed around it keeps getting moved what's going on yeah so i'm supposed to be taking my uh step one medical licensing exam uh i was supposed to take it originally on april 9th Uh, so now we're like almost a full month away from that because now I'm scheduled to take it on May 6th. I've already had to reschedule it twice because these testing centers are not opening because of the virus. Um, but man, this company Prometric, I mean, if anyone that works at Prometric is listening, please don't like punish me for anything I say, but they are handling this in an unbelievably terrible way. Like I've never experienced such a massive failure on the part of a large scale company. <laughs> it's Casey, crazy. You're, fi- man. you're fired up tonight. I like it. It's insane. I mean, they literally have zero communication. You can't get a hold of anybody. They're sending people emails to cancel their exam dates. And then the next day, people are getting emails confirming their exam date. So nobody knows what's going on. They're sending people emails like literally three days before their exam to cancel it. And I mean, obviously, this is not an exam that you can just kind of like be like, oh, well, I was going to take it, but now I'm not. So whatever, I'll just reschedule it. It's like something that you have to prepare for, ramp up to, you know, like study in a logical way for ideally. (laughs) So, I mean, I get that they don't have a lot of control over when they're going to open because of the virus, but the least they could do is like try to make some more considerate decisions about letting people know in advance when they're going to be canceled. I don't know. Yeah. Do you you think that they're under the same ownership as Spirit Airlines? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why is that your benchmark for a uh, terrible company? Well, I mean, look, dude, Spirit Airlines is like one step above like uh, uh, hell. They're they're terrible. I mean, I remember a time Spirit Airlines sent me text alerts that my flight was delayed 1 hour, then 2 hours, then 3 hours. So I didn't go to the airport. I was like, "Well, I'm just going to hang out until like it's time." And then, and this was when I was in Ohio, so it took like an hour and a half to get to the airport. So then they (laughs) sent me, so I'm like waiting around and then all of a sudden they sent a text, like, you know, five texts later, they say, oh, hey, by the way, we ended up getting a a plane in here and now your flight's on time. So what? (laughs) that's ridiculous. And I was like, yeah, I called him. I was like, hey, what is going on? Like, I didn't go to the airport because you told me the flight was delayed three hours. So now I can't <laughs> make it in time. And they're like, well, part of like your responsibility is like a flyer is is being at the airport, you know, on time, the original time schedule of the flight. I'm like, this is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, anyway. that's crazy. So that- wow. Well, let me- Keenan, I think I would rather take this exam on a Spirit Airlines airplane than have it be delayed again. So (laughs) let's see what we can do. 
Kaysen, would you rather take this exam um, driving in, in the back or riding in the backseat of Kevin Spacey's Cadillac through West Hollywood? <laughs> or, Keenan, I would on, <laughs> on time, or would you rather take it in a testing center delayed? I would rather take this exam with Trolls World Tour playing in the background the entire time I'm taking it. Uh, Good tease. It allowed Good tease for later. Yeah. <laughs> hey, would, would you? So. Re- hey, would you rather? Uh, would you rather take this exam on time, but Bernie Sanders is just yelling in the background <laughs> about uh, how you have to stand up to the banks and the corporations, or would you rather just take it? Take it delayed. But uh, yeah. Would you rather take it with Bernie Sanders talking in the background, or if Joe Biden uh, wrote all the questions? <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, imagine you're trying to take it, and you're like trying, like, okay, what is the molecular substructure of the yeah. polynomial? So you know, my Bur- friend, uh, my friend Spit and Jimmy back in 1972 had this disease. Uh. <laughs> He's like, oh, I, I, I'm not even going to do my impression until at least the 30-minute mark. But anyway, yeah. Kaysen, um, I'm sorry you're going through those hardships. Hopefully this test happens. It's ridiculous. Um, we hey, gotta thanks, get man. You, we got to drop the almost and just get you into the doctor category. So we know I know. We got to get me licensed. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But Kaysen, as mentioned, this is the Hollywood Week podcast. This is a special episode. Season one is obviously long in the rear view, long wrapped. Um, this is our second quarantine episode. We're going to call this quarantine volume two. So, uh, the first quarantine episode, we had a lot of people calling in. That was a lot of fun. This episode is going to be really relaxed, really laid back. I know that's hard to believe. And we're just going (laughs) to kind of go over, go over, uh, some news stories that have dropped in the last month. We're going to go over our future plans for the show and we're going to go over everything we've been checking out, um, during this quarantine. So it should be a fun back and forth. And uh, yeah, we'll kind of see where the conversation takes us. You never know. Keenan, I think I should mention right off the bat that uh, for people who want to know, I have received my Martin Scorsese t-shirt. So if you are a longtime listener of the show and you listened to our finale episode last season, you will know that I was the proud victor of our first ever trivia challenge. And uh, my reward for winning that challenge was a Martin Scorsese t-shirt that says, that's not cinema. So uh, I have it now. It's beautiful. And I will try to post a picture of myself repping that sometime soon. Kaysen, that's just classic, man. That's just classic. You know what? <laughs> I feel like the peak, what what needs to happen is you need to somehow run into Marty. We can call him Marty because we're kind of close with him like that. Like you need to oh, somehow yeah. run in, run into Marty and get like a selfie with him wearing that shirt. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh yeah, dude. So I'm glad you received that finally. I feel like that took forever. Um, but yeah, Kaysen got the t-shirt. If you haven't heard the finale episode, please listen to it. Um, you knocked down. <laughs> also that the dog barking is on my end. If you can hear that. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that. Th- is that Charlie? <laughs> no, no, that's a different dog. Who dog knows how many dogs we got around here? <laughs> Kaysen, what's going on over there, man? It's like Beethoven. Lots second of dogs in the- here. No, my, my mom, our mother, uh, loves dogs. Good Lord. That's okay. Uh, anyway, Kaysen, this is the Hollywood Week Podcast. As, as always, as we mention every time we do this show, we do have the social media game going strong. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. We're, we're really like – we're one of the Kardashians at this point. We're just killing it with the social media game. We got, that's we right. got the We got the Instagram page. You can follow us over there at Hollywood underscore week. Um, we have a lot of fun over there. And then we also have the Facebook group, which look, to me, that's kind of where my heart is, Kaysen. Oh, yeah. 
that's the meat and potatoes of the, the Hollywood Week group, experience. Yeah, the Facebook group is a lot of fun. We get a lot of crazy comments and uh, things happening over there, and it's continuing to grow. So thank you for everyone that's joined. Now, Kaysen, we kind of mentioned doing some stuff on TikTok uh, because mm. that's blowing up. I don't – TikTok's kind of weird, man. Like we tried to do TikTok some TikTok kind of creeps me out a little bit. Well, number one, TikTok is like owned by China. So that right off the bat, that's like <laughs> – I mean, that's, I know that's a yeah. super broad statement saying TikTok is owned by China, but I think it like is owned by like, you know, I don't want to say the Chinese government, but something close. Mm-hmm. Anyway, TikTok's a lot of pressure though, because everybody on TikTok is so funny, at least the videos I've seen. So then when you're making a video, it's just like, uh, it, it felt like forced. Like we're trying to be fu- like, look how funny we are. Look how quirky yeah. this is. Yeah. And we don't need to force it, Keenan. Yeah, anyone that's listened to our episodes knows clearly we're not funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so I don't really know why if even try. I don't know if that's our bread and butter. I mean, we might try to do some stuff on TikTok in the future, but right now, uh, check us out on Instagram, Hollywood underscore Week. Check us out on Facebook. Just search for the Hollywood Week Facebook group, and let's have some good times. Yeah, definitely. Kason, so the the coronavirus. Have you heard of this thing? Yeah, it's been uh, circling lately. I've heard. Yeah, I mean, look, the lockdown is still happening, but I feel like we're right on the cusp, at least for a lot of states. Can you feel it? Do you feel like we're kind of almost there? Yeah, I mean, Ohio is supposed to be opening on May 1st, which is when this podcast coming out, or at least releasing the shelter-in-place order or stay-at-home order or whatever they're calling it, but hopefully that yeah. happens. Yeah, same with Indiana. I feel right now, if if you want to know how I'm feeling personally, I feel like, imagine right now, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, he's in the denim shorts, <laughs> he's in the sleeveless um, leather, obviously, vest, and he's in, he's, he's in the background right now. He's behind the scenes waiting <laughs> for his intro music to hit, and he's just pacing around, pacing okay. around, waiting. I'm with you. I feel like that glass is about to shatter, Kaysen. <laughs> like, I certainly hope so. And once it does... You better believe if you've ever seen Stone Cold walk to the ring, that's exactly how I'm walking into the nearest mall, just like <laughs> ready to go. I believe it. That's exactly how I'm walking into the nearest uh, Bob Evans. No, I thought you were going to say that's how you're walking into the nearest testing center when you can actually. Uh, oh, well, yeah, that but... too. That too. Hey, hopefully yeah, that's so... how I'm walking into the nearest AMC theater. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We'll get into that a little bit later, but Kaysen, so as far as like this, the lockdown starting to lift and hopefully getting back to somewhat, um, you know, a sense of normalcy. I don't know normalcy. when that's, yeah, I don't know when that's going to happen, like how long we're going to have to wait, but it feels like we're getting closer. Do you feel like we've talked about this before, uh, privately, but do you feel like when this thing ends, people are going to be rushing back out there or do you think it's going to be a slow kind of like <clears throat> you know, trickle effect into, into public life? Um, I think it's going to be a slow trickle effect. I think there are certain places that people are going to like rush out to, uh, like, you know, parks and outdoor spaces. I feel like playgrounds are going to be a big hit (laughs) once those open up again. Um, I I don't, I don't think we're going to get like large gatherings for a while, but I don't know if that's going to be because people are reluctant to go to them or because they're mandatorily shut down. Yeah, I think things like sporting events and concerts, those are going to be in trouble for a while. I really think, and maybe it's just me being an optimist and kind of wanting to believe this, but I really think, man, that the floodgates are going to be open. Once this thing lifts, I feel like you're going to see people just 
pouring outside. Like you said, definitely nature stuff. <laughs> like the fact summer is yeah. right around the corner. We're going to be seeing a lot of people like at parks, at outdoor events, but even like malls. I feel like malls are going to be packed. And again, maybe I'm crazy, but I, I, I just think people are clamoring to get back out there. Maybe. I See, I don't know if it'll be like that or if it'll be like people are now so used to buying things online and like, you know, just the convenience of doing everything over the internet that they won't even want to go places for stuff like that anymore. But I know that I'm eager to get back to like a restaurant or, you know, somewhere just more fun. Well, Kaysen, yeah, I mean, you're young. You are like just living the young, like Martin, or not Martin Lawrence. I almost messed it up. You're living the young, like Marcus Lowry, Will Smith. <laughs> Please life, not dude. Martin Lawrence. So, so it's like, yeah, I understand. You got to have a social life. You got to get out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm eager, but I think Chicago is going to be shut down for like ever. So I'm not very optimistic <laughs> about that. Hey, what do you think of like the like I know the California the the I think Gavin Newsom from uh from mm-hmm. uh California. He's the maybe this was Gar- maybe this was Garcetti. I can't remember who said this, but like somebody was saying like if you see your neighbors like going outside like doing things they're not supposed to be doing, like call us and we'll give you a reward for snitching. <laughs> Isn't that wild? I mean, I'd want to know what the reward is. Yeah, it's just that's crazy, man. I mean, that really is some like authoritarian, like you know, like dystopian. That would be like a, the new Allegiant movie with Shailene Woody. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, crazy yeah, exactly. times, dude. I don't know. I think it's we're 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 getting through it, and again, I feel like we can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. So, uh, you know, hope everyone oh, yeah. out there is doing well. Uh, yeah, me too. Hopefully, it kind of dies out. We can get some drugs that are working or something and maybe have a better plan for the fall when I'm sure people will be worried about this all over again. So Kaysen, when knows? you just said, I hope we can get some drugs that are working. I, I took that in a totally <laughs> different way. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can take it however you want, Keenan. Yeah. I hope we can get back out there and see our dealers again. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I really, Amazon I really, doesn't sell my product. I really miss shady Gus that I used to meet in the alley behind the <laughs> target. Exactly. Anyway, Kaysen, uh, we mentioned, obviously, um, you know what? I don't want to jump into that yet. Before we get into the news, why don't we do this? Okay. Why don't we tell the audience, because me and you have been talking behind the scenes about kind of the future of the show and like what our plans mm-hmm. are for, for moving forward. Why don't we talk about that right now? Let's do it. Now, we were originally planning on dropping season two, as we mentioned, like mid-May. Yes. Unfortunately, on Netflix is a feature yeah, exactly. TV series. Straight, straight to Netflix, exactly. Yeah, no, sadly they uh, didn't buy it. Yeah, it, it was uh, it wasn't up to their standard. But yeah, so we were <laughs> gonna drop this. We were gonna drop this mid May. Um, unfortunately, that is not gonna happen just because there's no content to talk about. Everything's shut down. It's kind of bleak out there. There's really no point in launching our you know hopefully twenty episode season again when it's a dead zone. Right. So I think the new plan is we are going to launch season two of the podcast the first week of July. Mm-hmm. I know that's a long time to wait, you know, to our six diehard fans out there. Hang tight. Matt <laughs> Chang, Matt Chang, hang tight, buddy. We're coming back. You got to wait a little bit longer. But I feel like July is like a good time to launch because it's... 
when hopefully things are going to pick up again. I know the first blockbuster film that's still sticking to its release date is Tenet, or Tenet, however you pronounce that, with uh, Christopher Nolan behind the camera. So that comes out, I think, the 17th of July. So if if all that goes according to plan, we're going to be starting right when the summer movie season officially gets kicked off. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that was always what we wanted for season two was to be able to properly cover all the movies coming out, you know, over the summer. Yeah, because there's, well, yeah, there's a lot. (laughs) And sadly, some of them have moved very far away, but... Oh, well. Yeah, sadly, some of those will be a season three uh, breakdown. Yeah. But anyway, so that's what we're thinking. Uh, hang tight until July. But Kaysen, look, we don't want to leave our fans hanging. No, that's a long time. That's too long, man. What kind of scumbags would we be if we just said, hey, go listen yeah. to Joey Rogan until July? <laughs> that's right. That's not going to happen. Kaysen, what we're going to do is we're going to do something special. We're going to announce... We don't have a name for it yet. This is in the early stages, kind of, but we just need to name it, basically. We're going (laughs) to launch a brand new series where we are going to take franchises and rank every movie in the franchise. Definitive ranking. Yep. People love rankings, including me. People love rankings. We're going to drop this. We're going to drop this and basically make it a four- episode series to start and we're going to bring this back randomly in four episode bursts so this first (laughs) how does that sound that sounds great beautiful so this first four episode run we're going to do is going to launch in june so Mm -hmm. every single tuesday in june we will be putting out content we will be taking beloved franchises and ranking every film in that franchise. Now, we're or not hated announce, franchise. Yeah, exactly. We're not going <laughs> to announce what all four of those franchises are, but we are going to announce the first one. Mm-hmm. Probably Kaysen, the biggest one. Kaysen, t- today, tonight and tomorrow, it's kind of making me emotional because we were supposed to get a little movie coming out called Black Widow. Yeah. We anyone were. who's listen, anyone who's listening to this podcast knows how much we love our boy Kevin Feige and everything happening over at the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that's why the very first franchise that we're breaking down is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think there's 23 movies. Does that sound right? Oh man, I'm not even sure. Something like I mean, that sounds in the ballpark. We're gonna take every release from Marvel. I guess the MCU and rank it. What's <laughs> We're in not last doing place? X-Men. Yeah, no X-Men. What's in last place? What's in first place? We're going to break down every movie somewhat. I mean, obviously the crap ones we're probably not going to spend too much time on, but we're going <laughs> to... Now, I think the thing that's important to note, because there's so many movies, this is going to be a collective thing between me and you. Like we're going to come up with, we're going to put our heads together and we can obviously talk during the episode about like, if you slightly disagreed here, if I disagreed there, but we're going to have to come to terms on, on where we want to put these movies. Totally. I agree. So look out for that. That's going to be the first Tuesday in June. We are going to break down the entire MCU with our definitive ranking. Uh, with a new episode to follow every Tuesday in June. And we'll announce what uh, those other franchises are the week before. Give you a little tease of what we're working on for the next week. Perfect. 
Cool. Kason, how's that sound? You excited about that? That sounds great. Yeah, I am really excited about that. Um, obviously, MCU is one of the greatest, and I think we're probably going to upset some people because ranking something like that always does, but I think it'll be fun. Uh, I love talking about those movies, so should be a good time. Yeah, I also feel like me and you just like naturally with conversation, we're always like doing that anyway. Like, oh, dude, like, what do yeah. you think? Like, would you put this movie over this movie? Like, where would you put in right. your top 10, like your top five? So it's going to be fun, man. We crave like categorizing things. <laughs> yeah, We, we like need to, to know what is better than what else. We got to put things in nice, neat little boxes, Kason. Exactly. Anyway, so that's what we're planning. So look out for that. Future of the show, we're dropping season two, first week of July, and we're dropping our brand new series in June, every Tuesday in June. Again, don't have a name for that yet, but we will come up with something fantastic. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Kaysen, let's move on. Uh, I want to talk about some news stories before we dive in. So really the structure of this show, there really is no structure, as you can probably already tell. Um, <laughs> that's the best structure. That's the best the structure. The best plan yeah, is no plan. Oh, man. But come on, Kaysen. You're going to be quoting <laughs> Bong, you're quoting Bong Joon-ho right off the bat? I have to. I watch Parasite <laughs> again during the quarantine, and it never gets any worse. With our parents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they loved it. Hey, Kaysen, by the way, you didn't even comment. What did you think of my uh, Mr. Peanut Butter BoJack Horseman reference right off the top? Oh, man, that show has a special place in my heart. (laughs) I loved it. And now thanks for showing me that Mr. Peanut Butter is an option for your Netflix icon. So if anybody out there is a big BoJack fan and wants to make your Netflix profile picture a BoJack character, uh, you can do that. That's too much, man. (laughs) <laughs> that's too much man hey we're gonna I be talking it. about bojack a little bit later for the 956th time on the show but hey it's our show we can do whatever we want you can't talk about it enough anyway case let's dive into a couple news stories that are uh kind of centered around the coronavirus and this whole quarantine lockdown thing the first thing we got to talk mm-hmm. about is a movie you mentioned earlier and something that i will give my thoughts on uh later in the episode that's trolls world tour um okay This movie got a lot of attention, not only because it was a sequel to the hit original Trolls, but also because (laughs) it was the first movie really of its caliber to go straight to video on demand. Um, Right. Yeah, it obviously skipped the theater um, because there were no theaters open to show it, and it went straight to streaming. There was no delay. There was no let's hold this until next year. Universal rolled the dice and said, let's just put this out, see if people pay $19.99 to rent this movie for two days. Uh, and it seems like based on the numbers, people responded positively because, yeah, yeah, this, this, I'm going to read this news article real quick and just kind of give a summary of what we're going to be talking about here. Three days after the film was meant to hit the big screen, um, it's reported that Trolls World Tour broke the previous record held by Jurassic World Falling Kingdom. Hey, yikes. For the most (laughs) successful opening weekend for a video on demand digital release. Trolls made, the original Trolls, okay, made $153 million during its theatrical run domestically. We're strictly talking uh, domestically. So the original Trolls made $153 million. The sequel has already made $100 million in just three weeks that it's been available on video on demand. So 
the crazy thing is, due to profitability differences between box office and digital sales, Universal is Universal. Universal <laughs> is pocketing the vast majority of the sequel's $100 million revenue in contrast to the $77 million that it took from the original. So a production company like Universal, they're typically taking home roughly 50% of box office sales, theatrical, 80% of video on demand rentals which kind of mm-hmm. explains how even though the sequel hasn't made as much money domestically, Universal is taking more of that bank. So the success of Trolls World Tour is a good sign for future VOD releases, Variety reports. Universal's already planning to release more films digitally while theaters are closed due to uh, the coronavirus. Many companies are following suit with films like Scoob! Exclamation Point! and <laughs> Artemis Fowl, which is heading directly to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, interesting. Thoughts. Thoughts on Universal making more money on the Trolls sequel by putting it directly into people's homes than the original film, domestically. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that surprising. I think it's, I think it's totally wishful thinking to think that this is going to become the norm. Uh, like... I, the only reason this happened, in my opinion, is because people are all trapped at home, <laughs> and it was the only new movie that was released, and people are also trapped at home with their kids, uh, and so clearly this was just something to like have a diversion, I would say, uh, or like something exciting for people to do as a family was buy this movie. Um, once things open back up again, theaters open back up, more movies are coming out. I do not think studios will see the same level of profitability from VOD releases, uh, especially at that price point. Like, I don't think people want to pay 20 bucks to watch a movie in their living room because I think a big reason people go to the theaters is because it feels like an experience, like it feels like something fun to do. And so I don't know, that, that just seems like a price point to me that if it weren't for the circumstances, people would not be as down to pay. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, everything you just said kind of goes around the entire conversation I want to have right now with this story and with the next story we're going to talk about, which is kind of how the theaters are reacting to uh, <laughs> the betrayal of of Universal kind of skipping the, them and putting this right on VOD. So yeah. first off, I think from the standpoint of Universal, they're incredibly smart. Like, I don't understand where the beef is from the theaters because number one, Universal, they're a business just like anybody else. They have to make money. Like, so who knows what their financial situation is? I don't think it's wrong for them to say, look, we can't afford to hold this movie until next year. Like, we want to put it out. So they got to do what they have to do. The other thing is they're incredibly smart because like you said, during the coronavirus, this was the only new thing. It got all the spotlight, all the eyes on it. And the fact it's a family film, it's even more perfect because parents like myself are going crazy. I mean, you're looking for anything you can turn on or do with the kids. That's something different from the day to day, like, you know, repetition. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's very smart in that regard. I guess the other thing is too, like, I think for family films, like we mentioned Scoob and Artemis Fowl, which are both family films. Mm -hmm. I think it's smarter to do this I, I don't know, again, we talked we talked in the last episode or one of the episodes about the potential of like Black Widow or Mulan or any of these other movies kind of like skipping theaters and doing the same thing. I just don't know if that's going to like hit as hard because 
those movies to me lend themselves more to a theater. I think kids movies, a lot of parents appreciate the fact we don't have to drag our kids to like the theater where it's totally, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you can just enjoy something in the comfort of your own home. Your kids can be, uh, you know, running around in diapers, screaming, whatever the case yeah. may be. You don't, you have can to make popcorn yourself. You don't have to spend 30 bucks on candy and whatever for your kids. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess my thinking is like, I think you're right. I think this was definitely like a one-time thing. I wouldn't make this like the, the norm, but I do think going forward, I think, I don't see it being a bad idea to do both, like put it in theaters and VOD. Hmm. My only concern with that is I feel like they might end up making less money doing that. Because don't you think then a lot of people will just have like big watch parties for movies like in their living room and like instead of having, let's say, eight people go to the theater and pay theater price to see something, they'll just all go over to somebody's house and like watch it. You know what I mean? For 20 bucks. And where's the profit going to be there? Yeah, I I mean, you're probably right. Because again, with the quarantine, it's not like, hey, let's have like Susie invite her 12 friends over for her birthday party and watch this. It's kind of like every family is essentially paying the 20 bucks. Yeah, but like with something like Black Widow, I mean, obviously I would want to go see that in a theater, but if I didn't, like I could totally see me and some friends, you know, like getting together and pooling to watch it. I don't know. Yeah, I also think it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird, man. I I think that again, like Black Widow, it just doesn't work for me. I feel like this is, this has to be almost like aimed more at families who, who the reason they would do this is so they don't have to go to the theater. I mean, it seems like something that could just replace like the direct to video route of like kind of more lower tier movies. You know what I mean? Just being put out straight to VOD, but like clearly Marvel movies and stuff are never going to be straight to VOD. I don't think anyway. Yeah, but the sad thing is, it's like we talked about before, it just keeps hurting the theaters, which is going to be our next talking point. Uh, It's like the more you start kind of cutting those corners and saying like, oh, a movie like this could just go to straight to VOD. A movie like this could go to VOD. It's like, before you know it, theaters are comprised entirely of like tentpole monster movies, you know, which kind of feels like sure. we're already heading towards that. But it's like sad to think that it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. Yeah, that's true. Because there are a lot of more like indie movies that people would probably rather just watch on VOD than go to the theater to watch them. Or like comedies or, you know, a lot of genres. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think one thing that's totally crazy, though, is like, uh, just, yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. I lost my train of thought, but I I guess. (laughs) You're right. That is crazy. That's wild, man. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm just trying to think of what I was going to say. I was just looking over these numbers, like with trolls, and I was thinking of something, and then I, but yeah, I guess, I I, that's what I was going to say. I'm sorry. The, The one thing that is totally crazy, though, is like how much studios are making on the VOD platform versus theatrically when they have to pay the theaters. You know what I mean? They're only getting 50% versus I think 80%. That's crazy. Right. Yeah, that is crazy. But it's like, I mean, it's, I, I don't think it's that crazy because for example, if you pay for your family of let's say four to watch this movie, the, the studio's making 10 bucks, right? Whereas if you went to the Uh, theater, Let's say you would have paid $40 and they would have gotten $20 of that. So I feel like in the end, the theater is still more profitable for them, right? Yeah, well, 
Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're assuming that a lot of families are doing this. Right, right, right. It's tricky, man. I mean, uh, well, I, the next thing I want to pivot towards is the actual theaters and how they're reacting to this. Because obviously they don't want a movie that's a huge moneymaker for them, just skipping them entirely. And uh, one specific theater chain is pissed. That's uh, <laughs> that's AMC. AMC, case, and you're like a Stubbs member, dude. You're like the... You're I like know. The, uh, yeah, you're like the... the I am AMC. Over there. <laughs> you, I am AMC. We we um, are AMC. But uh, the Matt Chang, have you heard of this guy? I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. He wrote in. He wants to know: Is AMC going to go bankrupt soon? Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, didn't a, they like already? Did they already go bankrupt? Or am I? I here, here's happened. the thing, Kason. I did some research on AMC's financial trouble. It seems like they were towing the line. They were like toying with the idea of going bankrupt. But uh, a week and a half. I know ago, they were not paying rent. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like a week and a half ago, they basically scrounged up five hundred million dollars from investors that should hold them over. They said until the fall. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess there's something like I'm a big time. I know this is going to be hard for the listeners to believe. I'm a big time dope when it comes to uh, all this stuff. But there's something called private placement debt offering, which is long story short, instead of like a bank or someone giving like a instead of like a bank giving you a loan. Right. Uh It's like investors give the company the loan, like give them the money. And then work out a deal where they get like, you know, interest rate, like there's interest on top of it and stuff. And so they got 500 million to play with, which should keep them afloat until the fall. And I think they said they're confident, uh, you know, by then, hopefully they'll be back in business as far as making money again. Man, that's crazy. Well, I hope my A-list subscription doesn't uh, increase in price. (laughs) Dude, you're going to go back (laughs) to Chicago and like the the AMC theater is just going to be like boarded up with like cobwebs and like. Oh, how sad would that be, man? You'd be crushed, man. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it is weird to me that I've been gone for so long during this virus thinking about like, what if I go back and like everything is like different or like, you know, all these businesses are like not there anymore or something. I don't know. It's just we'll Rick. You, you just go back to Chicago and it's like Rick Grimes on a horse just like pray, like yeah. galloping through the streets. <laughs> exactly. Got to be Anyway, Kaysen, so AMC hopefully will stay alive, but uh, as far as Universal is concerned... Well, I guess I should say as far as Universal's concerned, I can't talk. Basically, Universal's dead, Kaysen, to AMC because AMC announced they're not playing any more Universal films going forward. They're cutting them off. Done. Forget about it. Well, is that what happened? (laughs) I thought they just said that they, as long as Universal was going to release movies on both formats, they would not be playing their movies. Kason, why don't I go ahead and read the story just so we can get some clarification, okay? Because AMC is coming out swinging. This is like Walter White. This is like the scene when Walter White, like, basically looked at the guy and said, say my name, okay? Um, (laughs) Just an absolute slaughtering. So, okay, here's the the story. The results for, first off, let's see what the Universal CEO, Jeff Schell, told the Wall Street Journal, because these comments are what ignited this entire uh, turf war with AMC and Universal. Mm -hmm. So the Universal CEO, he said, the results for Trolls World Tour have exceeded our expectations and demonstrated the viability of VOD um, when he first reported the numbers. As soon as theaters reopen, we expect to release movies on 
both formats. Okay, so in a strongly worded letter to Universal Filmed Entertainment Group, Chairman Donna Langley, AMC Theater's chairman and CEO Adam Aaron said that this guy's comments were unacceptable. AMC (laughs) is the largest circuit in the world. Here's what AMC said to Universal. It's pretty amazing. It is disappointing to us, but Jeff's comments as to Universal's un... What's that word? Oh, I'm sorry. Unilateral actions and intentions have left us with no choice. Therefore, effective immediately... AMC will no longer play any Universal movies in any of our theaters in the United States, Europe, or the Middle East. This policy affects any and all Universal movies, per se, goes into effect today, and as our theaters reopen, it is not some hollow or ill-considered threat, he continued. Incidentally, this policy is not aimed solely at Universal um, out of peak or to be punitive in any way it also extends to any movie maker who unilaterally abandons current windowing practices absent good faith negotiations between us so that they as a distributor and we as an exhibitor both benefit and neither are hurt from such changes currently with the press comment today universal is the only studio contemplating a wholesale change to the status quo hence this immediate communication in response. Hmm. So that was kind of long winded, but he's basically saying universal you're dead to us. Um, (laughs) any other, any other studio that follows suit, guess what? You're dead too. (laughs) What do you think of this? Well, so I did some research on it and it seems like this has always been the case uh, for movie theaters. Like Apparently, just in the contract with studios, there's always been a stipulation that they are not allowed to put the movie out out of theaters at the same time they put it out in theaters or else the theater will not play their movies. Um, From what I've read, it seems like that's nothing new, which to me totally makes sense because, of course, as the theater, you need to have that window period in place or else you're getting no benefit from playing the movie, you know, so... Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it totally makes sense. I think AMC is well within their right to say this. Um, I don't think that Universal is going to be putting it out on VOD and theaters at the same time. I think they're going to go back on that. Um, yeah, so I think it's just kind of one of those things, sort of like the Marvel-Sony conflict, where at first it's like, oh man, this big conflict, but then I think in like a week they'll have it sorted out. What do you think? I just think it's crazy because when you look at Universal's movies, that means AMC is saying, we're not going to play Fast and Furious 9. We're not going to play the new Jurassic World movie. Uh, I, I don't see a world where that happens. I mean... But but I don't see a world where Universal puts those movies out on VOD at the same time as in theaters. Correct. Yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with you. But I guess reading that, do you read that quote or do you read that letter that AMC wrote meaning like, if you do this, we won't, or do you view it as like, we're stating this now, like we're not <laughs> putting your movie. Well, I'm sure, already- I'm sure if universal goes back and says, they're not going to do that, then AMC will play their movies again. I don't think it's like something where it's like written in stone now, like universal movies will never be played again at yeah. an AMC theater. I mean, that um, would be stupid. Like on it, like that's just dumb for both parties. So I think you're right. I think they're going to come to some kind of understanding, but I think it's more maybe AMC just trying to flex some muscle and say like, look, we see you and we're not going to let you do this. And here's a warning to anybody else trying to do it. 
Exactly. I think the biggest thing is they just want to get it out there right away, just in case any other studios are getting any ideas. Yeah, because the thing is, with the success of Trolls World Tour, you feel like a lot of studios probably are getting ideas, where it's like, oh, geez. Yeah, and I think that any other theater chain would do the same thing. Like, I think the AMC would not be the only ones to do this uh, if the situation kind of expanded. Uh, I agree. Yeah, so we'll have to keep our eyes open on that whole thing. Hopefully they can come. Kaysen, I have to see Dom and the boys in IMAX. There's no other, <laughs> I know. There's no other option. I know, me too. If If it's only on my TV screen, I don't even want to watch it. Yeah, exactly. Imagine people trying to watch like Toretto, like jump his car, the charger off a cliff on like the screen from like the office dinner party episode that Michael Scott has. <laughs> yeah. where hey, at least you could pull it out a little bit. Or or like their phone. Oh, it's, it's tragic. Oh, that is a rough one. Man, people who watch movies on their phone, like I can't, <laughs> you have to hold it so I, close to your face to like see the detail. I can, I used to watch movies on my phone at work, but like not big not movies like that like i would watch movies that were more like indie dramas and stuff you know sure what I mean? sure that were like dialogue heavy exactly didn't require not like, that fast wow. and furious is not dialogue heavy but you know there's a little more to it than just the snappy writing uh case and obviously we know they're bringing the emotion don't forget the scene <laughs> of of dom sitting at his son's bedside saying like uh like your uncle, I named you Brian because my friend who's <laughs> dead is named Brian. <laughs> and then just yeah. to like drive it home, then Michelle Rodriguez comes in the background and she's like, is little Brian asleep? <laughs> and Dom's like, oh, yo, little Brian's not asleep yet, cause, but I named him Brian because of my dead friend, Brian. <laughs> Wait, I don't yeah. even know what I'm talking about because he's not dead in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but yeah, I mean, you get the idea. You're, you're more yeah. creating the atmosphere, not going for exact detail. That's pretty. That's pretty much the the truth, though. But anyway, yeah, that's the gist. So hey, AMC, we wish you luck. Universal, we wish you luck. Just come on, guys. Just like just kiss and make up. Just get it done. Case and last thing I want to talk about the Russo brothers. You know those guys? Oh, they're back. They just See, keep coming back. Th- th- here's the like thing John this Wick. is a bs this is this is like a bs story that's like reaching hardcore but i more wanted to bring it up just to ask you a question so let me read this real quick the russo brothers okay. were talking about the theatrical experience and kind of their desire to see theaters reopen and get people back in theaters and you know see them thrive again um and here's what they said the theatrical experience is a community experience joe russo explained perhaps the most touching moment of our entire careers was a few weeks ago when the lockdown started and endgame was trending on social media because everyone was posting videos of opening night screenings in their theaters with audiences really emotionally connected to the material for us he said that's really the strength of the theatrical experience is that it combines audiences it combines everyone globally to have been a part of movies that did that on a scale with that level of emotional connection from the audience was really very touching and it will be the highlight of our careers. So using those films to get people back into theaters, we would be ecstatic. I mean, any opportunity for people to go back and share in those stories together is one that we would support. So this came from IGN. IGN kind of took this as like them saying we want to put like our movies back in theaters i don't know if they really <laughs> again, meant again yeah like re re re-release i don't really know if they meant that from that quote it more just sounded like in general like our type of movies like these big marvel movies like we want to get them back in there but 
Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, why doesn't every theater just dedicate one of its auditoriums to just constantly like looping Marvel movies <laughs> and just never show any new releases in it? And then they can just always be theatrically released at all times. And then it would just be like a it would be like six of those comic book guys from The Simpsons, like the comic book character. Like, yeah, yeah. My comic book that would just like <laughs> constantly be like a revolving door, just like walking in and out, in and out every weekend. Anyway. Case and the whole yeah. reason I brought up this story is because number one, do you think re-releasing the Marvel movies in theaters would be like a shot of adrenaline for kind of the theaters and just people to get back out there? And number two, is there any double feature that you can think of, any double feature in film history that would get people more hyped than Infinity War and Endgame back to back? <laughs> uh i don't know if there's another combo of movies that would get people more hyped but i do not think it's a good idea to re-release what? them i don't i don't think it would get people back into the theaters at all um i think people love those movies but i think to get people excited and back out there you need to put out something new i don't think people are just going to be rushing out to the theater to go watch another movie that at this point they've probably watched 50 times on disney plus <laughs> in the past month um, so I, I think it would be a big waste. I think they got to put out Black Widow. I think they got to put out Mulan. I think those are going to be the movies that are going to, especially Mulan. I feel like Mulan's going to be a big reopening that's going to get a lot of people out there. Wow, Kaysen, uh, you are a buzzkill because I was about to jump off the top rope with hype on this entire idea because I think the idea of putting out Infinity War and Endgame back to back is the moneymaker right there. I think that the idea that you can see these movies in theaters together is insane to me. But they already did that with Endgame. I mean, they had a ton of screenings where you could watch like the what, however much of the Marvel journey you wanted to. You know what I mean? Before before the yeah, big Endgame that, premiere. I know, but that was more... I mean, I'm sure there were some that specifically like just played Infinity War. But I feel like that was a lot of like, hey, who wants to sit here for six weeks and like watch the entire MCU run. Well, also, who's right. going to go out? Who's going to rush out to theaters and sit there for five and a half hours watching movies? <laughs> like, is that is that the first thing everyone wants to do when the quarantine lifts? I mean, I do, but I'm just saying like in general, <laughs> the general public. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like those movies were so hyped and they kind of like the Russos were saying in that quote, like they perfectly represent the theatrical experience. And so to imagine like some kind of crazy re-release. And I know, like you said, they already did that with Endgame, but like, here we go, double feature. Like, as soon as a theater's open, it's an IMAX, go see it. And and even if it's only for like a mm. week or two, like just to kind of be like, hey, here's something fun. We can all kind of go back and like yell quotes at the movie and like, all, you know what I mean? Like we all know these movies. Yeah, it sounds fun, but it was like so recent that it just came out. It just, it seems... Too early, it seems like kind of a gimmicky cash grab. I think I think something new is the way to go to get people, in my opinion. Okay. Well, Kaysen, we're never <laughs> going to get Kevin Feige on the show if you keep... Uh, yeah, sorry, Kevin. Like no, that. I said I want Black Widow. I mean, I obviously I love Avengers, but... They're, <laughs> it's uh, too much, man. Done. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, well, that's Kaysen's thoughts. I got to disagree. I say give me that back-to-back double feature but anyway who knows if that'll even happen but i know black widow's now moved to november so at least we are gonna get 
something from the MCU this year. Well, yeah, I guess. It's a long way away. Okay, so that's all I got for any kind of news stories. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's been going down, but I wanted to talk about stuff on this episode that kind of centered around the quarantine as far as just like returning to yeah. normal and how, how theaters are dealing with this and how VOD is uh, is thriving. One thing I got to say real quick before we move on, how are movies like this? This drives me crazy because I want to see this so bad. How is The Invisible Man charging you $20 still right now to rent the movie? <laughs> yeah, that I don't know. That is insane to me. Like, the movie was in theaters for a month, right? Yeah. It makes no sense. Like, it made all of its money. It wasn't going to make that, hardly anything left over from what it already did theatrically. It's like, why not just put it out? It At least let people I assume buy they're it. taking advantage of the fact that people are stuck in their homes. <laughs> so I bet they think, like, more people are going to rent it even at a higher price point. You know what I mean? Like, I guess so. I, th- yeah. I, I I agree with you. I mean, obviously, it's a business decision. I think the thing that's annoying, though, it's like because it already had its theatrical run, why don't you just do what I think Scoob is going to do, which I heard. Let people buy the movie for, like, let's say $25. Sure. You know what I mean? So, like, for $5 more, you can purchase the movie. Because mm-hmm. to me, it's like I hate the idea of spending $20 just to, like, rent something. It's like, uh Yeah, you know? totally. But I guess, anyway. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just a difference between us. But do you like buying movies? Like, I feel like to me, once I've seen it, I don't have that much of a desire to like own it forever. I mean, unless it's something yeah. that I know guaranteed I'm going to love. Sure. But I, I guess if I have to pay $20 or plus, it's like I'd rather just own it. That's the thing. Sure, like, And sure. the fact that it, it, it would be different if The Invisible Man was like Trolls where it didn't even go to theaters. It was just like, here's this movie. Boom. You want to watch it. But the fact that it already was in theaters, it's just like, okay, it already had its day in the spotlight. Like now, now yeah. if you're going to put it on VOD, <laughs> just like let people buy the movie. Yeah. No, totally. Anyway, just a little complaint because every time I open uh, on the Apple TV, like the movies app, I always see it and I'm like checking just to see like uh, any changes. Yeah, and it's like, no, nope, it is a great movie. Tw- I, I know. Damn. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Kason, that might be a great movie. Now we're going to talk about some great stuff we've been checking out and then we're going to say mm-hmm. sayonara until uh, until next month. But before we do that, we got some good stuff. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh and we'll get some thoughts. Kaysen, let's start off with something that you checked out. And again, I think with our parents, right? Yes, that's right. We all watched it. Yeah, you checked out a show that's been at the top of my list for so long, and I'm a loser, and I still haven't gotten around to it. And that's the HBO drama Succession. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, why don't you, you want tell me just us give a little breakdown? Yeah, so Succession is about this family... Um, basically their dad, and then there are three sons and a daughter. Um, and they are an incredibly wealthy family. The dad is the CEO of one of the largest media conglomerates in the world. It's supposed to be kind of like a Disney stand in type thing where it's just ridiculous amount of influence and they are insanely wealthy, like beyond what anyone could imagine. Um, and the whole show is kind of just about the, like toxicity that comes from being in such a like wealthy messed up environment and the like how the kids basically try and vie for their dad's affection but also their dad's approval and also who is going to take over the family business once he dies 
Um, that's why it's called Succession. And so it's very kind of Game of Thronesy as far as like characters manipulating each other and talking behind each other's backs and scheming, I guess. Uh, it's just that the setting is in incredibly wealthy corporate America. So if that sounds like something you'd like, then I think you pretty much get the idea. Um, I really like it. I think, I think it's definitely got fantastic writing and fantastic performances. Um, it's also really funny in like kind of a messed up way. Like I would say it's kind of a dark comedy. Um, yeah. And overall the drama is good. I don't think it's like, you know, something that I would say you've got to run out to see it right now. Cause it's like one of the best shows ever. But as far as just being that HBO seal of quality, I think it, it definitely has that going for it. When, when I, when like you were describing the show and when I kind of heard just the general ideas of the show, it made me immediately think of Knives Out and kind of the dysfunctional mm -hmm. family in that movie. The fact they had this like father figure who, uh, you know, was thinking of who to leave his fortune to and all this stuff. Is it have any similarities like to that vibe? I would say it's similar in kind of the plot in the family relationships, but I would say the, that like the tone of knives out is way more kind of hamming it up where it's supposed to be like a wink, wink, like this is fun kind of scenario. Whereas right. I would say succession, they want it to feel kind of more like gross <laughs> in a way, which I know doesn't sound appealing to watch, but like, they want you to be watching these people and be somewhat amused by them, but then feel kind of disgusted at like what they're doing that you find amusing. If that makes sense. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Like they're, they're on one hand, they're kind of charismatic, but then they're also like huge scumbags that so you have to reckon with your own feelings on how you feel about these characters. Yeah. Like the knives out characters were a little more like cartoon characters. Um, whereas I feel like these people are more like really just bad people. <laughs> like there's, wow. there's really not many sympathetic characters at all. So it's not really like you can find someone easily to root for. Uh, it's more kind of like, you're just watching a, watching a fire slowly burn. <laughs> and there's been two seasons of that, right? Yeah. Two seasons, 10 episodes each. So it's not like a huge time commitment or anything. I got to get on that case because like everybody's buzzing about that show. And that's why when you watched it, what, what did our parents think of it? Like what was their kind of takeaway? Because obviously they're of a different generation. So like, were they into it or? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, th they were definitely into like the characters and stuff. I think it is an HBO show. So some of the content is a little questionable. Um, but you kind of know that going in. Um, and it's not like overly egregious or anything. I don't think. Um, yeah, but they liked it. I mean, we were all pretty like hooked on binging it. We would watch a lot of episodes in a night. So yeah, that's awesome, man. I gotta, I gotta get into that and I'll come back with my thoughts, but I'm glad that you got to check that out. Kaysen, yeah. uh, next, next up, we're going to talk about another show that, uh, we're both watching right now. Mm-hmm. That's Better Call Saul. Yeah. The Breaking Bad, uh, prequel. Now, I watched the first two seasons when they aired on television, and then I I think I canceled my cable subscription, and I just totally fell off the wagon. Now, season five just recently wrapped up, and it's like one of those shows that like everybody, again, is hyped on, talking about, <laughs> talking about, is this show better than Breaking Bad? Is it as good as Breaking Bad? Like, 
and it seems like something everyone's saying every season just keeps getting more and more uh, awesome. So we're kind of at the same place in the show. I've, I just earlier today wrapped up season three. Yeah, and I only have a couple and episodes left. Yeah, you're like three. right at the end of season three. So mm-hmm. we're, uh, we're kind of close as far as where we are. Kacen, what do you think of Better Call Saul? <laughs> uh, so far, I think it's fantastic. Um, I think it's super entertaining. It's got the same things about it that made Breaking Bad so good. Like you can see that the direction is still there. You can see the writing and like the way the plot moves forward so methodically and confidently. Um, it's great. My my only kind of thing about it, which we can get into a little bit, is the fact that it's a prequel to me anyway, sort of removes a little bit of the tension just because a lot of the characters in it, we already know what is going to happen to them if if you've seen Breaking Bad. And so that's a little bit of a knock on it, but I'm still interested to see like where they're going to go with it. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really, really liking it so far. Yeah, I feel like this is a show we, I mean, you know, take a shot. Like we could talk about this like for so long. We could talk about this forever. It's, it's such a, like a, it's such like a layered show that has so much to it. And the fact that it's coming from that Breaking Bad universe, it just kind of like amplifies to me anyway. I know you just said the the opposite in a way, but to me, it almost amplifies everything in the show. It just makes it feel like richer, like part of this like world that you already obsessed over and you know so well. And now you're just getting like another deep dive into that world. And I yeah. think... The thing that's so cool to me about Better Call Saul, the first couple episodes, I still really liked it. This show has never been less than great to me. Like right from the jump, mm-hmm. I was loving the show. But I do think the first couple episodes, it is a little bit like finding its footing. Like we're trying to juggle like, oh, here's some Breaking Bad stuff just to get people hooked. Like here's kind of this different tone almost like a goofier tone with Saul with I guess in the show his name's Jimmy McGill but like who we know becomes Saul Goodman um Mm -hmm. and so it feels a little bit like it doesn't know what it is but I feel like every episode every season for sure just gets more and more like confident to where it's like wow I mean now having just wrapped season three I do not think and I'm not just trying to get caught up in the hype I don't think it's an exaggeration to say this show is as good as Breaking Bad to me. <laughs> wow. Because I think... statement. Yeah, and one of the reasons why, one of the things that makes this show so special, you have the character of Saul Goodman, um, so it's following his journey, which to me, even though we know what he is in Breaking Bad, that whole side of things feels very disconnected from Breaking Bad. I mm-hmm. feel like that's completely its own thing. The relationship with his brother, the relationship with his law firm, the relationship with his kind of on-again, off-again girlfriend, Kim. It's just like that feels like its own show. But then where they really like tie in the Breaking Bad stuff is with the character of Mike, who we all know from Breaking Bad. Um, You know, Mike, my name's Mike Ehrmantraut. I'm going to just a great character. He is kind of our link and kind of our connection to all of the crazy cartel stuff that took place in Breaking Bad. And man, I feel like both at first, like we talked about um, just between me and you, like it's almost like 
juggling tone. Like, okay, we're watching two different shows. The Mike yeah. stuff feels very disconnected from the Saul Goodman stuff. But mm-hmm. I feel like as the show goes on, I don't know if it ever completely connects where it necessarily feels like it's all interwoven, but I feel like they do a good job of occasionally crossing paths where they'll have Mike and Saul kind of cross paths and be like, hey, we're in the same show, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but yeah. it's like, But it's like, they're both so compelling. And I think it's awesome to be able to watch a show where they're almost giving you like two shows in one. <laughs> two and shows I, I for the price of one. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, they're different enough to where when you're following the Saul stuff, you're, you're so invested in it. And then it's like all of a sudden, like, oh shit, like now we're, now we're following Mike and like Hector Salamanca and Gus Fring and stuff. It's just really cool to kind of go back and forth. I mean, to me anyway, I love, I love both those, both sides of the coin. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I will say one thing. And would you agree with this? I think they definitely put a lot of weight on the fact that it is a Breaking Bad prequel. Um, Not necessarily in a bad way, but I feel like there's a lot of moments in the show where they, like, do a fun little reveal of, like, either a character or a place or something from Breaking Bad where either it's, like, the end of the episode reveal before the credits or it's, like, some big thing where they're like, oh, remember this character? Or, like, remember this thing? You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. Like, that's a big deal. Um, they, they do, know. but I don't think ever to the point where it's like distracting and it's similar to kind of how we talked about, uh, Dr. Sleep, which was the whole like prequel to the, the, or to the, the sequel to the shining. It's almost like it doesn't rest on the nostalgia. It doesn't rely on like, Hey, remember this? Remember this? I feel like the writing is so tight, like yeah. so solid and like well layered and well thought out. Yeah, we we get those little moments of like, oh, that was cool to see that guy, or like that was awesome to see this chick who you know, blah blah blah. But it never <laughs> like uses that as a crutch for the show. Yeah, you're right. They, they kind of only use it to add to the show. It never like takes away from the show's own personality. Yeah. And that's the, it's just the last thing I want to say. I mean, it's just, I guess I'll say two more things. It's, it's such an amazing world to be in. And I use this so much recently and I apologize to our listeners again, this feels slower paced and more just like a hangout show a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, where it's like, it's not as, it's not as like gripping i would say is is breaking bad but it's just such a cool world and all of the little interpersonal dynamics and stuff it's just such a fun like world to be in and i love i just love every episode i just love seeing the small moments the big moments it's just it's fun um and that's the last thing i was going to mention is the writing from like vince gilligan and peter gould who are like the showrunners it's so it's going to kind of lead into our next show strangely enough but it's amazing how you feel like you're in the hands of like a master with like their writing because yep. it's like every little detail everything is always like meant for a reason where it will come back four episodes later, six episodes later, like hey remember that little thing that we talked about like here now it's actually a big thing. Yeah. And it's cool. I love yeah, it. Yeah, like, it's, it's awesome. I would highly recommend it to anyone. Now, would you, would you tell people to watch Breaking Bad before this if they haven't seen Breaking Bad? Or would you tell them to just see, go go for this? I don't... That's kind of what we were talking about with, uh, what was it, like the MCU or Star Wars or something. Like, how would you watch something? I always got to watch something in order of release date. 
So like yeah. I would for sure watch Breaking Bad. I know you might disagree with me. I would watch Breaking Bad first because I feel like you said part of the charm of this show, even though it's a small percentage, is the kind of fun as a Breaking Bad fan watching this and being like, oh, cool. Like there's that dude. There's this guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think for that reason, I would. And I think even a lot of the the stuff when we know kind of the future outcomes of like characters, like especially the in the cartel world, I feel like that kind of adds to the the meat of this show of like you're seeing those feelings develop and how they got to the point they were in in Breaking Bad, which I know that's what a prequel is, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I, I like it. I like it in that order, but I know you disagree. Uh, yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I think I think either way is okay. I would probably say watch Breaking Bad first too, just because I think Breaking Bad is like more of a surefire bet that I would tell literally anyone to watch that and know they're going to love it. <laughs> Whereas Absolutely, this show, yeah. I can see more people kind of falling off if they just can't get into it, you know, but. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, I totally agree. And I think too, like the first season, which is the most hangout-ish of the seasons, I feel like the fact you're into the Breaking Bad world is going to keep you watching. Whereas if you had no connection, like you said, it might be easier to be like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, Better Call Saul. Uh, you can watch the first four seasons on Netflix, and then I got to find a way to watch the fifth season. But man, I'm really <laughs> loving it. Yeah, me too. Case, and that leads us into our next show. And this is the last time I'm joking. We're going to talk about this till the day we're dead. <laughs> uh, but I, <laughs> Case, and can we talk about Bojack Horseman? Have we talked about that in this show? Keenan, uh, this show is the best show on Netflix. For sure. I know. Um, I mean, well, you, you went crazy about it uh, in the finale episode when you were talking about kind of the the final. But now you got me on board. <laughs> I did. So why don't you uh, why don't you tell us how far you made it and what you think? So even though you think that I make fun of you for all the animation stuff, I actually do value your opinion. So when you were hyping <laughs> the show every single week on the podcast, I'm like, dude, I got to watch BoJack Horseman. So... Started the show, I would say the first few episodes, I really liked it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I was like, this is cool. Like, it was definitely more zany than I thought it would be because you kept talking about all of, like, the mental health stuff and, like, the depression, the anxiety, the emotional stuff. And so the first few episodes, it felt very well written and, like, great voice I mean, amazingly acted vocally, like from Will Arnett, uh, Aaron Paul, um, Amy Sedaris. But it was just like a little goofier than I thought, a little more like family guy-ish. Almost like Mm -hmm. if Zootopia, the the Disney movie Zootopia, where everyone's animals, so they make a lot of like jokes and references to the fact they're animals, mixed with family guy, like kind of some of the cutaway humor and just like some of the like funny, like, but so dumb humor, you can't help but laugh. Yeah. So I was really liking it, but I think... Now, having finished season three, so I'm halfway done with the show, um, I think you're exactly right. This show <laughs> is phenomenal. This show is like really next level stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's something that's so, I, I think the reason that it's special and when people say like, okay, why, like, what makes it special? It's 100% the writing. That's just what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a show that like is so tightly constructed, like we were just talking about with Better Call Saul, that like you feel like it was meant to be binge watched because so many of the little details here and there 
end up coming back and be and for a cartoon that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the fact they have the consistency and the 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 you know foresight to like put all these little things in episode one and episode two, and then sometimes even like the next season it will be brought up. Oh yeah, you know things that you think are just going to be like kind of put to bed. Like oh okay, it's like no no no, like all this stuff means something, and it's like impressive when you see those moments come back how how well thought out the whole thing is so i i think just from that standpoint the show will immediately grab people and they'll be impressed with how well written it is i also think it's a show where the 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 real moments right really come out of nowhere because mm-hmm. it's like it's so zany and goofy and has you laughing one minute where you're like oh my gosh this is so funny and like even the character of bojack like he never goes really into like oh like now i'm super depressed like serious bojack it's it's always like he's kind of a smart ass like if you imagine obviously the voice of will arnett right but the way they sneak in those moments of like man like that was such a real thing he just said mm-hmm you know, where it's like, okay, he might be cracking jokes or like it might be kind of funny, but then some character will say something that all of a sudden is just like, wow, like that was really profound or that was really <laughs> like not funny. It was just like gut punching. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's my big takeaway too, is the way that it perfectly juggles like the zany comedy with the very real, um, you know, what does it mean to be, to, to have these kind of mental health problems, whether it's depression, just feel, you know, a lot, obviously a lot of issues from his childhood. Yeah, t- totally. I, I completely agree. I think the show hits on like every single level. I think it's hilarious. Uh, it made me laugh out loud. And then I also think it's super, super thoughtful about like the topics that it dives into um, in most scenarios. And I, I think another really cool thing is that the a lot of the different characters in the show I think have aspects of their personalities that are, you know, self-destructive in certain ways or like clearly negative adaptations that I think a lot of people can relate to. And I think that's why the show works so well is that like you have all these different characters that are all sort of working against themselves in different ways. (laughs) And like, you know, sometimes you can kind of see yourself in parts of Bojack and sometimes you can see yourself in parts of Mr. Peanut Butter or Diane. And it sounds hilarious saying these characters, dumb names, but like, it just works. I don't know. No, you're exactly right. I mean, that was perfectly said. Like all the characters kind of have little hints of what we all kind of go through at times. And it's yeah. like, even the character of Mr. Peanut Butter, who's like a golden lab, is he like a, is he a Labrador? <laughs> golden Retriever, right? From or the Isle of, Re- or maybe he's yeah, a lab, yeah. you're right. I think he's a lab. I don't- but anyway, he's this dog character. And it's like, again, it sounds so dumb to talk about, especially because when you see his personality, he's so funny and like, co- like the most positive, upbeat, like constantly like, hey man. So he's such a funny counterbalance to the Bojack character, who's very like, dry and just like no like you know buzz off get away from me like uh, what the hell so to see but then even the character of mr peanut butter who starts off as this like positive beacon of light you start realizing like as the seasons go on like he kind of uses that as a mask in a way and it's like that's almost his way of dealing with stuff and i feel like Mm -hmm. that character hit me hard because i feel like i'm kind of in that mind space where like i try to 
a lot of times like be overly positive about things, yeah. you know what I mean? And like try to mask like some problems that are actually happening. So man, it's just crazy how like they'll take every character that seems pretty one note and you realize there's so much more there. Yeah, it's super cool. Cause like, yeah, you're right. Mr. Peanut Butter is like overly optimistic. Bojack kind of uses like, you know, his mask of, of acting like he doesn't care about anything to deal with things. Diane, I feel right. like is more of like the virtue signaling character that kind of tries to use her like morality, you know, is like a, a way to justify herself. Um, totally. Princess Carolyn is like all about success and like accomplishing things for herself. And that's how she like, you know, finds value in herself. It's really, really good stuff. I would, it, I would highly implore anyone to watch. Yeah, you have to watch BoJack Horseman on Netflix. I mean, the last thing I'll say is too, it is the type of show that is so uh, smart because it uses the comedy, like we talked about last episode, it uses the comedy as like an in. So it never feels like too heavy where it's like, oh, you know, they're trying to like preach at me or like they're trying to like tell me how I should feel. They're using the comedy as kind of like a, hey, like it's just a big goofy show, but like- you know, we're going to, we're going to occasionally like just get real for a second. It's totally. it's so cool. I don't know if I said that yeah. right, but it's so cool. Anyway. Well, man, I cannot wait for you to finish that. And I hope we get to talk about it one more time. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait, man. I'm halfway through. So, so I'm so mm-hmm. excited. I still have three seasons left, but anyway, yeah. Kaysen, let's move on. Let's talk about a show that we talked about on our last quarantine episode. That is the Hulu original devs from our boy, mm. Alex Garland. Yes, great recommendation by Jay Hoff Maniac. Jay Hoff Maniac coming through like he always does. What do we? Ex- <laughs> what else do we expect from a lab technician? Exactly. Anyway, uh, devs, Kaysen, what did you think? Did our boy Alex Garland from Ex Machina and Annihilation fame, did he deliver? I think he delivered. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was like the perfect amount of time. I thought it was super fascinating to where I was really interested in knowing what happened. And I would say most importantly for a show like this, I like the ending (laughs) and the ending doesn't resolve all the questions you have, but the ending I thought did a sufficient job of wrapping up what it needed to, while also kind of making you think about the implications of it. So I'm satisfied. What do you think? Yeah, I I totally agree. I think number one, the first thing I got to say about devs, and it's something that I was questioning every time we talked about it on the show, the tone of the show. What is like the vibe? What is the tone? It is exactly, exactly what I wanted. Like if you could have reached into my brain and said like, make this show, it is what it is. It's super ominous. It's super creepy. It's very like sterile in a way that feels like real and, and grounded. But I mean- we got to give a shout out to Alex Garland for just the the camera work and, and kind of the vibe he set up. But one of the reasons the vibe is what it is, is because good Lord, the music on this show <laughs> is haunting. It's true. It's some of the best TV music I've ever like experienced. Probably after Lost, <laughs> this is the next yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is different in the sense that it's not like, or, or it's, it's more like, I guess there is some more sound but effects. It's more, yeah, just really disturbing stuff. I mean, and it, the cool thing is the way they use it in the show, whether it's like playing it over super like serene scenery where it like doesn't feel like it matches. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just feels so out of place. Oh my gosh. I mean, dude, the beginning of the seventh episode, 
I think this is only eight episodes, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, the beginning of the seventh episode, good lord. I mean, just the first, like the intro before the credits, wow, it's creepy stuff. It is, yeah, (laughs) it is creepy. Super creepy. So I I gotta give him props on the vibe right off the bat. It was that kind of um made you feel very uncomfortable watching it and the fact that he keeps his cards so close to the vest where like the whole show even right up to the end really you're kind of wondering like what the hell is like he gives you enough nuggets to where it's like okay i can keep theorizing episode to episode like i think maybe this is what's happening but he really keeps the cards close to the vest until the very end when like it's finally like this kind of was my overall message of this movie. Totally. Uh, yeah, I thought it was paced really well, too. Like, it didn't feel like sometimes Netflix shows feel like when they're 10 episodes and you're like, why couldn't that have been four episodes? <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. I, I think eight was the perfect number. I thought it kept the plot going. I thought it set things up and brought them back in a good amount of time. Um yeah, I, I will was, say I thought Nick Offerman and Allison Pill were both fantastic. I was not a fan of the main actress. I don't even know her name, sadly. But yeah, she her performance was just not doing it for me. But I know other people disagree. Yeah. So. Well, no, I know people agree with you, too. The main girl in the show, I, she was definitely kind of an offbeat character and like a weird personality type. I told you, like giving her the benefit of the doubt, I thought it kind of fit with the weird vibe of the show almost how even though i know i compare everything to this almost how like twin peaks is kind of set up where there are some characters who just through their acting (laughs) it like makes the everything creepier and i thought at times she was annoying where it's like okay did this chick just take like seven volume before that she shot this scene but like (laughs) sometimes it worked where i was like okay i like her like very again like low-key like sterile delivery of everything yeah totally um so it was an awesome show i think it was the perfect i don't think you could combine like compelling story with very like offbeat obtuse like you know narrative like this show did yeah it was kind of the perfect example of like mixing both those things where it was kind of crowd pleasing but also like very tough to crack totally it's a thinker for sure i would say i would say only watch this if you really like like sci-fi sci-fi like like not Star Wars, but like, you know, <laughs> like really uh, interesting, cerebral, conceptual type stuff. How awesome is Alex Garland? I mean, he's amazing, Lord, dude. dude. Like, I mean, his his track record is nuts. He's yeah. a treasure, man. Anyway, so check out <laughs> Devs. That's <laughs> check out Devs. That's on Hulu. Only eight episodes. If you're into sci-fi, if you want to be a little bit um, unnerved, it's such a such a cool show. Mm-hmm. Uh Case and we don't have to talk about the next show. I put I put that we could talk about the game show The Wall. <laughs> hey, it's great. Because if you haven't seen it, you can watch it on Hulu. Uh people are winning crazy amounts of money on that show. I can't believe it. Hey, my biggest that's a great it is a great game show if you just want to put on something distracting and just kind of like, yeah. you know, while you're doing something else. But it's funny because Chris Hardwick is the host of that and like he temporarily got canceled because I think they accused him of like beating his girlfriend or something crazy. But then like I don't know what happened. Like, now he's just the host again. <laughs> so, I don't I know no if they idea. were like, yeah. We'll, we'll let it slide this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know nothing about that. It was weird, though, because Chris Hardwick was, like, everywhere. He was almost like the nerdy Ryan Seacrest, where he was, like, hosting all these Walking Dead panels <laughs> and, like, after shows. And just, yeah, yeah. And then those allegations hit, and he just, like, vanished. Yep. But. That's, how, that's how it goes, man. Anyway. 
Chris Hardwick, we don't know if you're a Chris Hard prick, but we do know you're back to hosting The Wall. So congratulations. Oh, right. uh, I'm such a dipshit, Kaysen. Kaysen, uh, next movie we're going to talk about quickly is something that you already saw, so we don't have to spend too much time on it, but I did get around to watching the Pixar film Onward, which you can mm. watch right now on Disney+. Plus. Yes, Chris Pratt, Tom Holland. Um, you were a big fan of this case, and I think you described it as kind of like mid-tier Pixar, but you still really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I would say I agree I agree with you. Uh, I really, really love this movie, um, which is normal for most Pixar films. I think the, <laughs> ending, the ending made the movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody could watch Onward. And when I say watch, like, I mean, I don't think you could actually sit down and just watch it and pay attention to it. And then the ending happens and you're not feeling a ton of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's one of those things. And I don't think it was manipulative at all. Like, I feel like it was very well done. No, I don't either. It actually, it actually, like, really blew my mind just the kind of message they were trying to get across with the movie. Yeah. I I didn't see it coming is what I'll say. And it's not like a twist at all. It's just like the way things play out in the end was so beautiful that it yeah. made it more powerful for me where i was like it was oh really smart it, it's one of those things where like it's more about the lesson a character learns than like having like a. I mean it is uh, it is a happy ending but i don't know i don't want to spoil anything if you haven't seen it so just watch it it's really good i've i've honestly had like three people um like watch it and text me and all we're talking about the ending like dude i'm like an emotional wreck right now yeah (laughs) yeah it 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 hits hard for sure and it's a fun movie it's like such a fun movie it reminds me kind of of like a throwback to like something maybe i mean not visually but like something i would have watched when i was a kid just kind of like a fun like adventure type movie where it's you know um well written a lot of the jokes land just has a really like light-hearted kind of fun vibe but like obviously mixed with those pixar hard-hitting like here we go yep i totally agree and obviously the the voices are fantastic yeah yep just uh just great across the board so watch onward that's on disney plus case now next how does up, it stack talk- up against the universal uh the universal gem trolls world tour yeah, here we go. We talk so much about Trolls World Tour at the top of the show. I feel like I should give you my thoughts on it. I am Please one of the do. morons that paid. I am one of the morons that paid twenty dollars to rent this thing. Uh, <laughs> You're the downfall days. of AMC, man. Here's the thing. I can tell you this. My daughter loved it. She like wants every time we see it on on TV. She like wants to rent it again. I'm like, hey, okay. Daddy's <laughs> Daddy's not paying twenty dollars <laughs> to yeah. watch this thing for only forty eight hours. Yeah. Uh, it was fine, man. It was very forgettable. Like, very, if you saw the first Trolls, I mean, I don't need, we don't have to spend too much time on this. Probably not too many people out there did. But uh, it's just kind of more of the same. Um, they really just focused on the musical aspect this time. Lots of different genres, country, hard rock, classical. Do these uh, movies pop. have original songs? Like, are these like soundtrack Some, movies? Yes. Okay. Mixed. They have, they have some original songs and like a lot of covers too. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, it was cool. It was great for kids. Just incredibly forgettable. Like the second it was over, I'm like, I will never think about this movie as long as I live again. And now I hear I am talking about it. <laughs> Here we are. All right. Well, maybe I'll it check that cool. out someday. It was one of those things though, where like, it just felt like it was so unnecessary, even though it was well done, it was fun. It had good music. It was like just one of those things where it's like, you could 
as an adult watching it, the whole time you're just like, this does not need to exist. It didn't hit you emotionally, <laughs> well, huh? It didn't quite have those Pixar level feels. <laughs> gotcha. As, as much as Justin Timberlake tried to bring out the emotion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good try, Justin. Anyway, Kason, next up, we're going to talk about another movie that you saw that I didn't see. Now, you actually saw this on a Monday at 2.30 p.m., if I recall. Wow, you have a fantastic memory. Kason, I got a memory like a fox. Some might say I have a memory like a hedgehog. Because (laughs) that's the movie Sonic the Hedgehog, which I just watched earlier today. So it's fresh in my brain. Now, this is crazy because my friend, not like the vegetable, also watched this movie today. He messaged me about it earlier. You gotta be kidding. Not like the vegetable. Well, I hope we're on the same wavelength about this movie. Uh, Kaysen, I think I agree. I don't know what episode you reviewed this on. I mean, I pretty much agree with your thoughts. This is how, like, I guess my biggest takeaway, other than Jim Carrey, which we'll talk about in a second, mm-hmm. this is how, like, a movie for families or, like, kid. I shouldn't even say kid, just, like, young people should be done, I think. Sure. Like it, because the thing is it was goofy and it was like at times a little cheap, a little bit like feel, you know what I mean? It kind of had that cheap yeah, vibe yeah. to it, but mm-hmm. like, it felt like a movie and I don't know it how felt like it was it. thought it, out. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't one of those, like so many kids movies like now and especially like it, they're just so dumbed down where it's just so like like lazily made and I'm talking about mainly like live action not like animated but I'm talking about like when you have real humans in a kids movie it's always so like goofy and dumb where it just feels like okay you know this they're not even trying but like back when I was a kid kids movies still felt kind of like real yeah if that if that makes sense no, it totally does. And, I agree. And this this movie felt like that. Like, even though there was dumb kind of juvenile humor a lot of times, it still felt like they were trying. And I guess that's what I appreciated the most. Like, it it didn't feel, uh, you know, like it was disrespecting the, just the, the adults watching in the, in, right. the, in the theater at home. But, right. yeah, I mean, obviously we got to talk about Jim Carrey. Uh, just, un- dude, unbelievable. Like, he... <laughs> he I really hope they make a sequel because I feel like he was so funny. I want to see him as this character again. Yeah, especially the way they leave him at the end. And it was, it truly was like they, like the director, I am not joking. I feel like he had to just go to Jim Carrey and just say, Jim, we're paying you a lot of money for this movie. Just go crazy. Like Uh just do whatever you want in front of the camera. I'm going to say roll. I'm going to say action. And you just do Jim Carrey. Yeah. And it's like, if you're into Jim Carrey, you're going to, I don't know how you wouldn't love what you're seeing because how amazing was that dancing scene in his like tank. Incredible. dude. When the, when the dinosaurs were chasing him from behind. Yeah. 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 Dude. But I mean, there were so many funny Jim Carrey moments. Like one of the, one of my favorite moments though, was the very first scene he was in when he like first comes off of his like truck and there's Uh this like serious looking general, like standing there greeting him. And Jim Carrey's like, okay. Like he's totally (laughs) Ace Ventura in this movie. He like is Ace Ventura. He's like, okay. He's like, who's in charge here? And then the general, like, as soon as he goes to talk, like say a word, Jim Carrey's like, no. No, no, no. He's like, I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Like he says it like seven times. Like every yep. time the general goes to respond, he cuts him off and he's like, nope, 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 still nope. Yeah, oh, he's man. he's having a great time. 
Oh man. Uh yeah, he it was it was just really funny. So like his performance really kind of like carried the movie for me, but everything mm-hmm. else was charming. It was good, it was fun. And it actually like I truly would want to watch the sequel. If they made another movie, like I would be like, "Oh, I want to see it." Yeah, me too, cuz I I feel like Sonic's voice was good. I thought the plot was like fine. And I thought the special effects were good enough <laughs> to where it, it wasn't like distracting me. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad it made money. I'm glad they did the redesign on Sonic. It, it was a fun movie. Me too. And I, I think mainly for Jim Carrey's performance, but everything else was still solid. Yeah. Cool. Case, and speaking of solid, holy mm. crap. <laughs> Let's talk about a movie that you watched with, uh, did you watch this with our parents? Are you that sick and twisted? I did. Yeah. Well, I watched it with our dad. Okay. That's okay. As long as mom was spared. But Case, why don't you tell us what you got to check out? Uh, so I saw this movie called Dragged Across Concrete. Um, yes. This is another one that's been recommended to me by you uh, because well, yeah, it's let's made. Let's... Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't even remember the guy's name, so you'll probably have to help me out. But it's made by the same guy who made Bone Tomahawk, one of your top movies Ooh. of the decade, a movie that you also recommended to me earlier this year. Bone that Tomahawk starring Matthew Fox? That's right. <laughs> yeah, Kaysen, right. this is directed by uh, S. Craig Zoller, who made Bone Tomahawk. Then he made Brawl in Cell Block 99 with our boy Vince Vaughn. Then he made this movie, Dragged Across Concrete. And man, oh man, I, I'm going to let you dive into this. I don't have time to gush about this movie enough, but I want to know what you thought of this movie, Kaysen. <laughs> so this movie's got uh, Vince Vaughn and Kurt Russell. It's, they're, no, they're no, both no, no, not Kurt Russell. It's uh, Mel Gibson. Oh, shoot, my bad. <laughs> what am I talking about? Yeah, did I watch a Kurt Russell movie recently? Anyway, this movie's got, uh, yeah, you're right, Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson. Sorry about that. Um, and <laughs> I, have, I have literally no idea where I pulled out Kurt Russell. Well, you've been um, studying, you've been burying your face in a polychemical nightmare textbook. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Probably, yeah. I, don't know I have an are. excuse. Um, but anyway, they're, they're both cops. And uh, basically something happens toward the beginning of the movie that let's just say it's not so great for their careers at this point in time. Um, And so basically the movie just kind of follows them on this process of like, I don't even want to get into it, but because <laughs> I don't, I don't want to spoil of, anything about it. Because I think it's best if you go in not really knowing anything. But let's absolutely. just say they both get wrapped up in a situation that quickly escalates and becomes very intense. Um, it's kind and it's kind of like two stories in one where it's like following this one character who's kind of involved in something disconnected and then it's following Mel Gibson right. and uh, Vince Vaughn on the other side and then those stories converge into one insane final like 30 minutes of the movie right um yeah it's incredibly violent um I thought that the the parts that were like supposed to be shocking and supposed to be big payoffs were. Uh, which I thought was good. Overall, I didn't like this as much as Bone Tomahawk. Um, I feel like it was just like very long <laughs> in a way that it didn't necessarily need to be. Um, I thought the performances were great, and I thought the writing was really, really great. But I feel like the ending for me just didn't quite do it as much as it did for you. I, I know that you just kept hyping up the ending to me before I watched this, but I thought it was good. I guess I just didn't think it was like, wow. It, it didn't it didn't satisfy me enough for the two hours of movie that I'd watched leading up to it for it to be like, 
oh, that was worth it, I guess. Yeah, that surprises me just because the thing that I loved about the ending, the whole movie, just like Bone Tomahawk and really S. Craig Zoller, this guy is just a weirdo like Bong Joon-ho. Like his movies just feel so off where like nothing seems quite right. It feels like a little bit like something's off. And when you get to the big, like similar to Bone Tomahawk, when you get to the end of that movie and they're with the uh, cannibal tribe, you know what I mean? And it's like, this is it. I feel like Dragged Across Concrete has a similar ending where it's like, here we go. And the fact that you're in a world created by this director where it feels like anything can happen and anything brutal, anything shocking, I feel like it made all those moments in that climax like, oh my Lord, like like what is about to go down right now? Because you don't know, okay, are our heroes going to get away scot-free? Is it going to be a happy ending? Could someone literally walk up and just like cut off Mel Gibson's head right now? <laughs> like yeah. you just, you don't have any idea because you feel like you're dealing with a wild card. Yeah, you're right. And I, I think maybe really what it was, was that um, it, like I, some of the things that happen in the ending, like particularly with certain characters just left me feeling kind of like empty like like i don't know i was kind of like okay i don't really i don't know it was just it just seemed very random and like not really satisfying to me i guess well i think too like even more so and this might not be what you're talking about but even more so than bone tomahawk which is crazy to say didn't this movie feel like really (laughs) mean-spirited where it was just like it did. It was like a lot, a lot of the stuff was just almost like a, like kind of a, Hey audience, like, sorry, like deal with it, <laughs> you know, in a, in a way that was like, almost like you said, kind of random, but like cruel where it was like, okay, that was pretty rough. I don't know. I, yeah. I that. In a way it almost felt a little anticlimactic to me in some ways at the end, like some things that happened. But I mean, I I won't get into any spoilers, but anyway, I think it's worth checking out if you are uh, interested, Um, but just know that it's really, really violent um, and it's pretty dark, (laughs) but it's a good story and the the, the performances are great. The thing is though, it's violent in a way where it's like super sleepy until all of a sudden it's not. And then it's, oh, right. It's It's not not like like an action fest or anything. No. Correct. Yep. And that's the thing I love about the action, the way he shoots action. It's so like quick, like, whoa, like what was that? It's not like glorified, like here's the big money shot. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Anyway, well, I'm glad you checked it out. I'm sorry you didn't, you weren't really as hyped on it as I was, but that's dragged across concrete. I think you can watch that on Amazon Prime, right? Yes. Yep. Anyway, if you want to experience something, watch Bone Tomahawk and then watch Dragged Across Concrete. <laughs> that would design. be a powerful... See, that that's the back-to-back movies they need to get people out in the theaters. Yeah, and, that's then, the watch Sco- and then watch Scoob! Exclamation point. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so next up, we got two movies left. Next up, we're going to talk about something I got to check out on Netflix a couple nights ago. That is the Chris Hemsworth film Extraction. Yeah. I, I'm really excited to hear uh, your thoughts on this one because I'm yeah fascinated. This is interesting. I think the director, I don't have it pulled up in front of me. I think his name is Sam Hargrave. I, he is the stunt double for Chris Evans uh, throughout the entire MCU. So he was the Captain America stunt double and he might have done some other stunt work 
uh, in the MCU as well, but that's kind of what he was known for. This is his first feature film. Um, yeah, this is a movie that was also written by Joe Russo of the Russo brothers. So it had a yeah, lot weird. of like MCU connections, obviously Hemsworth, um, involved, but the trailers looked insane. Okay. I, I went into this just hoping for a kind of over the top action fest. And I would say for the most part, I was satisfied. I think that's what you got with this movie. The, the the takeaway from this movie, it delivers as far as the action goes. If that's what you're going in looking for, I think you're going to be happy with Extraction. But it's a very, to me, like a very empty movie. It just feels hollow. It feels almost like a... It feels like the director, it was like a, t- a project for him. Like, let's see if I can make a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because you look at like Chad Stileski who did John Wick. He came from the stunt world. It's like those movies, while clearly huge action set pieces and just lots of headshots and stuff, they still feel like movies and feel like he's building this world. This movie felt very kind of hollow. Like here's some quick cliche stuff. Boom, boom, boom. Here's our characters. Tortured past. Blah, 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 blah. Now let's just get to the part where Chris Hemsworth is like, shoot like headshots and knifing guys you know what i mean sure yeah and i mean that's kind of what i expect out of it to be honest but what how was the action like what did you think of the it was it was really good i would say it seemed and this is this is a criticism but it's also like when you hear like you'll understand what i'm saying it's also not a criticism it seemed like a kind of slightly like knockoff version of john wick at times Okay. Which is still great because obviously John Wick is so crazy. But yeah. like a lot of it was very quick, like hand to hand fights. Now, like boom, 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 hedge, like, you know, shot, like three shots in the chest. Like, gotcha. okay. It was very, like, it was well trying to done. copy like, that quick pace style. Correct, to some degree. But then he also put in some more big traditional blockbuster action set pieces, which I thought worked too. There is like a scene, probably 40 minutes in, which is like a continuous. 15 minute set which is wild now it's very very obvious they're cheating the hell out of this thing it was not filmed in one take like it's it's obvious to the point where it's almost like you you know he wasn't even trying to really make you think he did sure it was still though filmed like it was never cutting away so like it was unbelievably impressive even though i feel like the cuts not to keep going back to that but were almost too obvious where it looked a little bit bad like cgi wise and what i mean by that is they would have times where like the camera would like zoom into the chris hemsworth vehicle as he was driving it Mm -hmm. and then like the times when it would cut away and like totally 360 to something else you could tell it was like heavy cgi to me oh because that's how they were putting in the cut like that they didn't film correct and so so that whole sequence probably had like six or seven moments like that and it didn't take me out of it but it was just a little bit like okay this is amazing but like i'm not believing this is like you know all done in one thing okay uh but it it was insane. It was an exhausting sequence, and I I do have to believe it took forever to plan out because it went from like vehicles to like we're out of the vehicles, we're running into this like uh crazy Indian like apartment complex, like the raid style, where we're like mm-hmm. going into different apartments. Cameras following Hemsworth. Now Hemsworth got like thrown off the balcony. Now the cameras like jumping down with him, and then he like runs into another vehicle. You know the camera pans up and shows the kid he's protecting. It's it it was really impressive. 
Interesting. Okay. So it was cool. It was cool. It was just like, again, it was one of those like movies that you watch and then when it's over, you're like, okay, like, <laughs> you know, I will probably never think of this movie again. Yeah, but you, you think it's worth watching just for the action? I do. I really do. Yeah, I, w- I would say check it out, but just don't go in expecting, uh, you know, Wick. anything to remember. Yeah, exactly. Okay, <laughs> cool. It was cool. One thing that's interesting to me, I never saw Men in Black International, but it's weird to me that like Hemsworth is so charismatic and like funny as hell as Thor, but it's like, I, they don't really tap into that. And I know that's not really the vibe of this movie, but it's just weird to see him be so like stone faced and just like not, there's like no humor whatsoever. Like blank slate action star. Yeah, totally, totally. And it's like, dude, he could be so much more than that if you just give him some... And again, that's got to be Russo's fault, like with the writing. It's like, just give him yeah, some better material to work with. that's weird. It's kind of weird to me that they had Joe Russo write something like this since it seems like clearly the director was... Like, I'm sure he kind of just had his own vision <laughs> for like what action set pieces he wanted to do. And then he was probably just like, hey, Joe, can you make some kind of script around this? Or, you know, like figure Absolutely. out how to do what we want to do. A hundred percent. That is exactly what it felt like. Like it felt like the director had zero, like he could care less about the story. He was just like, okay, I'm going to set up this, 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 you know? Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Anyway, that's an extraction. That's on Netflix. Kaysen, the last movie we're going to talk about before we wrap it up. That's a movie I've wanted to see for a while since I first saw the trailer. That is a movie that you can rent right now. That's called The Way Back, starring our boy, Ben Affleck. (laughs) <laughs> who's making fat stacks i'm talking rack after rack in the way back starring ben affleck <laughs> wow that was, you should be a bojack right <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh yeah case and that's what that's you know princess carolyn's next movie when i started yeah. doing stuff like that uh exactly. anyway this is this is a movie called the way back this is directed by gavin o'connor who directed one of my favorite which we're going to get into pretty soon uh one of my favorite sports movies ever warrior uh which was about two brothers who fight in the octagon in yes. ufc uh if you haven't seen warrior holy crap he also directed the movie miracle starring your previously mentioned dude kurt russell uh so this guy knows what he's doing when it comes to like sports movies uh-huh. I think the thing is, again, quick summary. This is about Ben App, Ben Affleck as an alcoholic, um, kind of self-destructive guy in California. I think he's in Long Beach, but uh, kind of has a dead end job, just drinking himself into a into a daze. Stupor. And he used to be a he used to be a star basketball player in high school, and he basically gets an offer from the school to uh, come and coach the team because the previous coach had a heart attack and he's not able to come back for the season. So Ben Affleck kind of steps in after a few games and uh, gets the job offer, and he takes it. So it just follows him coaching this high school basketball team at the school where he used to be the man. Uh, Hmm. So, like, everybody knows him. Everybody, like, the referees know. Like, everybody knows him. Like, oh, Jack, you know, what's going on? And he has this reputation, but he's just a total mess. Okay. Um, So it looked amazing. I think here's the thing. (laughs) I, I don't think this was as good as I was wanting it to be. Oh, okay. Disappointing, I know. I liked the movie. I did. It was just one of those things that felt way more cliche than I was hoping it would be. It was very much, despite Ben Affleck putting in a great performance, because he was great, but it was very much just like all the beats we've seen a million times. Like, here's the self-destructive guy. 
Here's him drinking and embarrassing himself at this thing. Here's him like in the moment when, uh, you know, he needs to keep it together. He has a, he has a meltdown and ends up getting himself in trouble. It was just all like very, like we've seen this before. And the other thing is, this is not really a sports movie. Like the basketball is very much an afterthought in this movie. Hmm. And that kind of disappointed me. I wanted it to be more like an inspirational, like sports movie. And it was more kind of like, it was almost like a weird balance where it was like 70% Ben Affleck being an alcoholic, but then like 30% basketball. So it was like, it wasn't where you could really focus on one or the other. You know what I mean? It was almost like a weird mix where it's like you wish they just totally committed to like this is a deep dive into Ben Affleck and there's a little bit of basketball sprinkled in but it was almost like there was too much of the basketball to where they introduced the players and like you kind of get to know them a little bit but it was just so like non-existent for the most part that it was like just felt underdeveloped yeah that's weird yeah, it was pretty weird and it felt too like the pace was pretty slow for the most part until the end and then it felt like the pace was like way too fast. Like wait, 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 things are happening too quick right now. Like right, slow right. down. Like you're you're telling this part of the story way too fast. So, I don't know. It just didn't have really like the emotional it, I don't know cuz Warrior was so emotional. I mean, man alive. That movie was like the new age Rocky. Yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> I agree. You know, where it was like those big moments of like, oh my lord, like the music, the visuals, the perf- like it all, and I was hoping for that in this, and it just never really hit in that way. It was way more of kind of a somber, like reflective look of like, you know, just Ben Affleck. Yeah. So it was cool. I I, I know I just kind of, it sounded like I trashed it. I still liked it, and I would still probably recommend checking it out. I just wouldn't go in expecting anything too crazy. It was, it was just kind of forgettable to me, is my biggest takeaway. Well, that's kind of disappointing, but hey, can't win them all. You can't win them all, Kaysen, but not like the vegetable, who's our boy. He wrote in, he had a question for us regarding this. He said, do you guys like sports movies? And if you do... What are some of your favorite sports movies? <laughs> That's a good question. Jason, um, do you like sports movies? So I sometimes like sports movies. I definitely would not say sports movies are like one of my favorite genres at all. <laughs> so you're um, saying you hate sports movies. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I like some of them. I think I like specific kinds of sports movies mostly. And I would say those would either be comedies or like fighting movies, <laughs> like boxing or UFC. Whoa. So other than that, I can't think of too many sports movies that I actually like. Uh, I will say that one of my favorites is The Sandlot, just because I used to watch it all the time when I was a kid <laughs> on like VHS tape. Um, Hell you know, yeah. That's an all-time classic, I feel like. Uh, I feel like Happy Gilmore has got to be up there for just being legendary. Oh my gosh. Uh, I would say Waterboy too, if you would consider that a sports movie. I don't know. I don't know how broadly you're Oh, that's a hun- that's 100% a sports movie. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. So Adam Sandler's got some good ones. And then uh, I think there's just a ton of like fighting movies. Like I would say Million Dollar Baby is an all-time classic. Warrior, which you already mentioned, is an all-time classic. Creed. Um, yeah. So, I mean, those oh are just gosh, some Creed, of my dude. favorites. I mean, I... <laughs> I totally agree. I wouldn't really say Million Dollar Baby is a sports movie. Maybe. I mean, but. Yeah, I can see that. It's a tough one. It kind of is. 
Yeah, I really love sports movies. I mean, all across the board. Like, when I was a kid, it was kind of the golden age of, like, zany sports, like, kids movies. So, like, we had, like, Little Giants, which is just iconic. I feel bad, Case, and you didn't grow up in that era because Little Giants is one of the funniest movies. I grew grew up watching that. Did you? Yeah, Icebox, right? Like, (laughs) oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Oh, my gosh. The annexation of Puerto Rico. Uh, But, (laughs) yeah, man. I love that movie. Again, these this is a perfect example, like we were talking about with Sonic, where like Little Giants is like a kid's movie, but it feels like they actually made a film, like a movie right, that right. was just kind of for kids, if that makes sense. So totally. uh, Little Giants, Rookie of the Year, Henry Rowan Gardner. Hey, Rowanberger. <laughs> uh, uh, what, what else did we watch? Uh, a League, not a League of Their Own. Um, Little Big League, where the kid, like his grandpa, like gives him the Minnesota Twins baseball team, and he's like, oh, the I don't know that manager. one. Uh, so, so yeah, dude, we got like so many great kids sports movies. And then obviously just the heavy hitters like Rocky Creed, like you mentioned warrior. Mm -hmm. Um, you could say raging bull with De Niro. I don't really know if you say that's a sports movie, but that's probably more of a drama. Um, what else? I mean, I guess you could say field of dreams, like with Kevin Costner. Again, I don't know if that's a sports movie, but that's like. (laughs) <laughs> kind of a drama mixed with sports yeah. but i will say friday cool. night lights the tv show is one of my favorite things ever so oh my yeah. Lord, it's not a movie but if we're counting sports tv shows i don't really feel like there are that many of those i think the reason sports movies are so good to me is because sports are one of those things that are kind of like a a good like teaching tool for like life you know what i mean so sure. like you can use a lot of things that are bothering you or you need to overcome in life and then and then transfer that onto the field or the court or whatever so it's like you know rocky balboa like the reason we wanted him to succeed wasn't because the reason we wanted to see that fight with apollo wasn't because he was just the underdog it was because we knew everything about this guy's life we knew like the drama the pain the every you know what i mean so when he gets into the ring it all just means so much more because it's not just a fight for him it's not just like something he's doing as a sport it's like it means everything. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So not like the vegetable. I, I got to say, I love sports movies. <laughs> yeah, I think you probably like them more than me, but uh, I I definitely have some that are up there. Moneyball, hey, Casey, another you know, honorable mention. Oh, Moneyball, good. Oh, that's a that's great a movie. Good, that's a good uh, suggestion. Wow. Kaysen, do you ever see Basketball <laughs> directed by Trey Parker and Matt Stone? <laughs> no, I've never seen that. Man, that that's a fun. I've only seen that like two times, but I got to revisit that. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, really, honestly, Happy Gilmore probably is one of the funniest movies of all time. If and we're gonna yeah. do that, that has to be a season two episode, top ten comedies ever of all time. Oh yeah, that's a. But that's I feel a tough like one. Happy Gil Happy Gilmore has got to be a top. I mean, just thinking of that movie, it is like <laughs> nonstop piss your pants laughing. Yeah, it is pretty great. Uh, I just think so much of the scene, I mean, I think of all the scenes, but I think so much of the scene where uh, he accidentally, like, knocks his grandma's, like, air conditioning unit, like, (laughs) off the window, and it falls on that old lady, and she's, like, slaying on the pavement. He, like, looks out the window, and she's laying on the pavement with the thing, like, crushing her, and she's like, mister, mister, she's like, get this thing off of me. (laughs) And then he like looks at his grandma and he's like, you know that Mista Mista lady? I think I killed her. 
my yeah, God. man, that's some great stuff. And then when his like the chick that he's like trying to uh, Julie Bowen when she he's like trying to get with her and he has all these anger management problems and she's like happy. What's this? I heard about you like throwing a rake and or breaking a rake and then throwing it into the woods. And he's like, uh, well, you see, I I knew that the rake was made of wood, so I <laughs> broke it and then I tried to put it back to where it belongs. Oh my god, uh, it's just so dumb, dude. But it's so good. Yeah. That's a that's a classic. It, anyway, Kason, that's all we got. We just wanted to do a quarantine episode where we just kind of go over um, everything we've been checking out, talk about some news, talk about some future plans. But I think uh, I think that's it. Really, we just wanted to let the listeners know we're still we're still kicking. We're still here. We're still watching some stuff. You know, some stuff hey, is now still. Now we're gonna. <laughs> To close to close out the show, we're gonna perform "I'm Still Standing" um, twice <laughs> in a row. So, Kason, go ahead and hit it. See, I only know that song because uh, our our sister's kids like love it. Oh, re- what? Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like I I knew that it was a song like before, but I'm just saying, like the only reason that I actually am familiar with it is because of this crazy. Is it from Trolls? Is that what it's from? No, no, no. It's in a uh, sing. Sing, yeah, okay, whatever. Some some movie. Hey, I know we talked about Cronendrome doing our music, which he definitely is for season two. But how funny would it be if our intro music every single episode was that song "Fight Song"? (laughs) (laughs) That would be incredible. Oh my, Rachel Platt. Yeah, Platt, 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 Platt. I don't know what her name is. Hey, whatever happened to that chick that sang? What's that song, Who Do You Think You Are, Running Around Leaving Scars? You know what I'm talking uh, about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. What's her name? I got it. Christ, uh, Christina Perry. Yeah, Christina Perry. I have no idea what happened to her. Isn't it weird how artists will just, like, vanish? And I'm sure she didn't really vanish. Like, if you do some research, she's probably still, like, doing her thing. But it's That just happens to a ton how, like, of it. Like, like, what about, like, uh, Gautier? That guy that sang yeah, uh, ex- somebody that I used hell? to. <laughs> There's lots of stuff like that. It's wild, dude. I don't understand the music business at all. I really don't. Because you think, okay, if you're Gautier, whatever the guy's name is, first yeah. off, eh, change your name, bro. <laughs> like, who's, your name's Gautier? Like, who's, <laughs> oh my God. Kanye's anyway. cousin. Yeah, Kanye and Gautier. But if you're this guy, <laughs> you had one of the biggest songs of the year. Yeah. Whatever year that was. I don't understand how you couldn't get radio play with another song unless literally all of your songs were trash i know i mean i don't i don't mean trash but i mean like trash as far as like how could you not have a follow-up to that of like hey you just played my song for seven months straight now i'm coming to you with this song play this yeah because those people like totally disappeared like i feel like there's some artists like more bands usually that have some huge hit and then they just kind of fade into like casual fame <laughs> like i'll say like of sure. monsters and men or something or you know like uh yeah i guess yeah. or like bastille for example like that you know both sure, of yeah. them had like a huge monster hit but then now like people still know them but they're not as big or casein like your like your favorite band i don't even know their name but who sang that song uh um florence and the machine uh, sh- <laughs> no 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 shut up don't you dare look back just keep your oh head- yeah. uh <laughs> Shut up and dance. I'm like totally Dude, blanking on to, who sings that now. What happened to those guys? But yeah, I know what you're saying. Like some bands just kind of fade into like somewhat relevance, but they're not really prime time. But right. then, yeah, like other artists are like literally oh, yeah, walk the disappear moon, walk the moon. off the planet. 
Yeah. No, I have no idea. Dude, like, whatever happened to, like, Michelle Branch? Remember Who her? the heck is that? Dude, come on, dude. Michelle Branch. Now you're, now you're just saying, making up uh, random names. Whatever happened know, to, Br- like, uh, you know, Jennifer dude, uh, Michelle- Jennifer Arnold? Michelle Branch was like, <laughs> Jennifer Arnold. Michelle <laughs> Branch sang, because uh, you're everywhere to me. And when oh, I close my eyes, I know that it's song. you. I, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, come yeah. Come on, dude. I feel like there were just a lot of like early 2000s like singer-songwriters that like di- disappeared. Yeah, like uh, Vanessa dude, Carlton. Vanessa Carlton. <laughs> dude, what about Ryan Cabrera? Remember him? I don't know who that On is, the no. way down, I saw you and I oh, saved me from okay, myself. Yeah, yeah. 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 See, these are like away. on the fringe for me where I like I recognize them, but I, I don't know. Dude, I met Ryan Cabrera one time in an apartment building, and it was so funny because uh, yeah, I won't get into details, but he, <laughs> he I don't want to, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to like talk shit about him. But he, okay. he just seemed very like uh, self-important. You know what I mean? Like he thought sure, he sure, was sure. like the man. He's and it's just kind of funny, kind of funny to see how. <laughs> I feel like we're in like the post show now. <laughs> oh yeah, this is po- yeah. Should we should we wrap it up? Uh, you know, I feel like we've exhausted our movie talk. We could do a whole, we could do a whole other podcast about music. <laughs> Capital Records Week, the new podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. Anyway, Motown. Jason, it's been fun. Yeah, this has been good. I'm probably gonna wrap it up. Go check out season four of BoJack tonight. Maybe start uh watch a couple episodes. Please do it. Oh my gosh. No regrets. Let's do it. Anyway, thank you to our listeners. Thank you for the support. Uh, stay strong. I feel like we're almost out of this quarantine. Just uh, just hunker down for a little bit longer. And again, we'll give you updates, but the next content from us is going to be in June. The first Tuesday in June, we are dropping the definitive ranking of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> and we might have Martin Scorsese on just to give us his input. Oh, man. Yeah, that should that should only take about three and a half hours to rank those movies. Hey, imagine every... Yeah, strap in. It's going to be a long one. Imagine yeah. every single like one we bring up, Scorsese's like, uh, you know, it's not cinema. It's not, <laughs> well, that's not cinema. No, that, that one's definitely not cinema. No. Yeah. Yeah, until we get to like uh, Thor the Dark World or something. He's like, now that's cinema. <laughs> now that's what I call cinema. That's what I call a cinema sandwich. <laughs> anyway, Kaysen, anything anyway. else you got to add before we say so long and goodnight, My Chemical Romance, Gerard Way? Ooh, I miss them. Uh, I don't think so. That's about it. Cool. Thank you, as always, to the listeners. Kaysen, thank you, and we will see you in June. Yeah, see you in June. Hopefully we are back out and about at that time hey and good luck with the test hey thanks man i good luck with getting to take it <laughs> i should find out for <laughs> sure tomorrow crossed. so i'll uh i'll let you know fingers crossed case and let's do it i believe in you thanks man if you're listening to this and you are taking this test uh in toledo on next wednesday uh and you want to do me a solid just go ahead and drop out now and uh open <laughs> open up that spot for me so yeah, I got to feel like face. that's a large percentage of our listeners that yeah. are going to be taking a high-level medical exam in Toledo, Ohio. I figure there's a high overlap. You, know, you never if know. If that's you, drop out for Case and sake. Case and it's been fun. Have a good night. All right. Until Have next a good time. Yeah, later.